Oh, yeah, that hum. But that's gone. Where, what did you do? Unplugged everything else. Right. <laughs> Literally, the only thing that's plugged in is my computer. Ah, right. So what, oh, it's probably a light. Do you think it was a light? It might have been. You're now um, sitting in darkness. <clears throat> no, I've got the main lights on now. Ah, but right. I did, there is a lamp next to me which wasn't on. Yeah. But um, I know sometimes you get lights and they affect the, they cause a flicker on the screen of your Macs, don't they? So yeah. It may well have been that. Right. Shall we begin? Yes. Let us begin. Um, <coughs> good evening, Mr Turpin. <coughs> good evening, John. How are How you? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, really good. Um, very, 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 very um, time short. Uh, not tonight, but... Um, Should I not, speak quicker? I'm not, I'm not allowed to say uh, busy, apparently, uh, according to um, a podcast I listened to recently. Um, it said that um, that's, saying that I'm busy is um, just making me out to be a ninny. So I'm trying, I'm trying to avoid the word busy. I see. I can't really use the word busy because I know so many people are much busier than I am. So... <laughs> Yeah, I had fifty. I, I tweeted today, didn't I? I had fifty. I actually hit the number fifty client email requests that had to be actioned today, <clears throat> which is insane. That is quite something for a small what, one-man band. Actually, I, I I say I'm a one-man band at the moment. Nick Barber's working very hard for me, so uh, doing a lot of my design work. He's cracking just, cracking the whip. Yeah. Well, he, no, he came up. He drove up today actually and um, took a brief off me which yep. is good, really handy having him down the road. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's really quick, so it's really good. Um, quick. Is he quick but sloppy? Come on, let's be honest. He's a designer, mate. <laughs> <laughs> of course he's sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Tracy who's the art worker, isn't it, his wife? Yes. Um, so I imagine she, she tidies everything up. <laughs> I think that's how they work. He's a hundred percent concept. <laughs> no, he's going to kill me. So. We're going to lose a listener. <laughs> well, we've got one hundred and fifty left. Um, that's, that's we had an astonishing amount of people who listened to the show. So thank you for listening. If you're listening again, you you, you must be really crackers. But um, yeah, um, we've uh, we, we're we're tidying up everything as we go. Um, Rob has gone out and bought a microphone. And uh, the quality we noticed last week really was shaky because uh, it was a mouth, um, like an earpiece, wasn't it? And it was just moving in front of your mouth. So it was it kind was. of like interviewing Tarzan. It, it was a little bit poor. I know I had a bit of a cold last week as well. So um, there was lots of sniffles. Oh, it's just listening to your own, you know, to your own personal tics. Um, you know, my laugh, it's just, oh, it makes me curl up. Um, <laughs> well, I've been practising today to get myself used I, to I, this. I, I heard, I heard that you've um, posted something on SoundCloud. I've, I've been... Uh, you got all wistful. <laughs> I, is that how I sound? <laughs> I've been recording myself reading the opening passages from uh, from books. Now, what was that? That was uh, Contact, Carl Sagan. Ah, right, okay. I also did, foolishly, I did War of the Worlds uh, and realised I'm no Richard Burton. <laughs> so I'll did you do, do David Essex instead? <laughs> <laughs> I'll try that next time. <laughs> we can dig, dig a whole new world underneath the ground. <laughs> I don't actually know that. I was just going to sing Silver Dream Racer. Yeah. No, well, he, he's, the, he's the soldier in... Um, in the uh, Jeff, is it Jeff Wayne who did it? It is, yeah. <clears throat> I loved that as a kid. I loved. Yeah, that. me too. I never realised it was David Essex. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Well, it had all the celebrities. It did. And lined them all up. Anyway, yeah. Welcome to uh, North v South. I think we should start saying rather than verses. I've taken the S off for um, okay. visual, visual effect. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is the. Uh, it's a podcast about design, but not about design. That's a good strapline, isn't it? That's a good healthy strapline. It means we it can is. talk about any old bollocks. It'll be on everybody's lips. <laughs> what? Oh, well, one hundred and forty-nine <laughs> of them. Yeah, like scurvy on a sailor's <laughs> crusty mouth. <laughs> Yeah, 148. <laughs> Countdown. Should we have a bell? Yeah, that's a listener lead. <laughs> so tonight, John, uh, as last week, you uh, you quizzed me on my background and how I got to to where I am. Uh, tonight, I'm turning the tables. So have you got? Uh, I feel like Eamon Andrews. Um, <laughs> Should open. You should have surprised me. Are you actually going to come out from behind the sofa? (laughs) I'm I'm in the cupboard. (laughs) Um, So, John, 
I've known you for about four years, yeah. I think, three or four years. Uh, we worked together at Soda, which was a, a nice little design agency in St. Margaret's, near Twickenham, um, where you were the de facto creative director, even though you kept telling me you weren't. <laughs> but uh, how you got there isn't that straightforward, is it? Because your degree uh, wasn't in anything design-related. Uh, no, not at all. Um, I took a long time to get around to be calling myself a designer. I still, you know, balk at the sound of me calling myself a designer. Um, I did a, an English degree. Uh, more specifically, I did a medieval English degree, <laughs> which was really useful. Um, it's, 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 you know, it's really, yeah, it was a really good career move, that one. <laughs> like every, every designer should start off with a really obscure degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, Make them a more rounded person. Well, it, you know, it, even worse is that, you know, just the complete and utter sap that I was as a teenager. Um, I went for an interview uh, at Exeter University for um, an archaeology degree and got chatting to um, who t- a person who turned out to be a professor who then offered me a, uh, <laughs> a position or a, a slot in the, uh, in sounds the medieval... Terrible. I know, it sounds terrible. I, anyway, I got chatting to him and he was talking about um, a, bact- a b- bacteria detector um, that this man had invented that could de- detect bacteria in oceans. And um, he said, would you like a... Um, uh, would you like to uh, join the school of um, medieval English or whatever it was called at, at that point, the school of English? And I said yes and signed up straight away because uh, I thought, well, I'm not going to get any other offers. <laughs> and, Certainly uh, no other offers like that. And archaeology, it was a lot of science involved when I got down there. I thought it, you know, it would be just digging a few just trenches, um, which I'm Trout. quite good at. Trowel in one hand, little brush in the other. Exactly, that would be it. But uh, actually, it was quite scientific, so I wasn't very suited to it. So, it, essentially, time teams loss is the graphic design world's gain. Yeah, <laughs> you do have an you do have an archaeologist beard. Loosely, I don't anymore. I, I haven't oh, had a beard for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. Traitor! I shaved it off when my daughter was born. I didn't want to scare her. Well, I get that with kids as well. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, and I ended up doing a degree in English, uh, mainly medieval English, um, and it was great. I, I enjoyed it. I was a total and utter slacker and was far busier being drunk and going to see bands than doing any work. Sounds perfectly reasonable yeah. to me. <clears throat> but there again, I did get kicked out of two art colleges. <laughs> I made it through, and I, you know, I did get a degree. God knows how, um, but I did. And then... So obviously that's not the obvious background for someone getting into design. Unless well, is, it, is it? I mean, quite a lot of people I know have no qualifications. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's, and, that's me, but at least I was trying. And unique to the UK, well, I don't know if it is unique, but um, certainly in America they have an organisation that represents designers and gives you actually a professional you know, footing. Yeah. Um, and we don't have that in the UK. We're all, we're all essentially cowboys. Yeah, um, and it's, you know... There, that's why there's quite a lot of flakiness. Like I said, it's, um, it shows the regard or disregard that the graphic design industry's, you know, sort of seen in. You know, you you have chartered surveyors, accountants, dentists, and doctors all have to pass qualifications and be yeah. members of members of bodies. Graphic designers, it seems, can just wing it. Well, I think. You know, graphic design has itself to blame there more than, you know, the other way around. I think that um, it's only just starting to, for, you know, to build frameworks and mm. um, design patterns and all that kind of stuff. I think the newer generation are much more, uh, you know, attuned to that kind of qualification. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's such a it's such a, a fleeting thing, isn't it, design? It's it's so subjective at times. Um, it is. It's hard to formulate a a, a, ri- a rigorous set of uh, guidelines that you have to operate within. But um, I think it would be good for the industry as a whole. Um, but yeah, no. The reason I got into design, what happened? Um, well, I left I left university with a, um, a gentleman's degree. 
<laughs> and uh, uh, I, I went to somebody said, "Oh, you need to get a job." So I and I hate work. I hated working, and I always got. You nearly said you hate working, then didn't you? Well, I do hate working, but I, I, I you know, I love pratting about and making things, and you know, basically being non-profitable. But um, sadly, I have a mortgage and a wife and a child and two dogs, um, and uh, yeah. So I um, I went to one of these careers fairs and went to the first thing and it was i don't know it was some sales job selling advertising space in london and they said oh yeah no you're great you're perfect turn up on x and date uh so i did and i moved up to london and um you know moved into my girlfriends at the time and uh went up to this place and um it was shut and they'd gone bust <laughs> uh, oh. this was 1993 so it was the last big recession yeah. So we left university, you know, hoping that I might get a job in a um, in a museum as a, you know, working, doing exhibitions or curating or something like that. And there's absolutely no hope of that. I had no money to do a uh, any further um, degree. Um, my dad had scarpered from the country. Um, so I had no uh, nobody to uh, go and stay with near London. So uh, I ended up um, at my girlfriend's who's at the time whose dad was a sign maker so i started just you know helping out in the woodyard painting posts and stuff um and then i gave that up and went down to bournemouth where my mum had a hotel and helped her out for a bit because she wasn't very well i came back to london to look for a job and um her da- uh, my ex-girlfriend then uh, her dad had died um and her brother called me up and said will you come and help out because I'd been helping out and he said you know here's some computers um we have no idea really how they work we're going to invest in some industrial machinery would you like to learn it so I learned how to uh uh I learned how to use an industrial router um and making perspex and lettering and you know we were sign writers originally so I learned that way and then we started developing um you know large format print and we started dealing with design agencies and muggins was the one who had to work out how to how to use everything and so i kind of reverse engineered my way into becoming a designer so at what point did you go from kind of doing very sort of technical production-y stuff cutting things out of perspex to to actually designing things and how how you know how did that come up how did you find that jump um, well, I did that. For, I ran the production, and we we became quite a big. Well, for a, for a sign, we became quite a big company. So I was very busy um, running a studio, basically, um, in taking artwork from agencies and then processing it through into large format. So we had to do quite a lot of, um, you know, doctoring and adjusting. Um, and sometimes we were just given concepts, um, which might just be a fax or whatever. So we were building, you know, even from the early stages when we had just we had this thing called the sprint and i'd started after the sprint had, had been uh, retired but the sprint was basically like a big keyboard that hummed and you the fonts that you put in it were like atari vcs cartridges okay. so you'd get like a helvetica and you plug it in and then you'd type the line height that you wanted and pressed you put in your letters and then pressed go and it literally cut those letters out um, and then we progressed to to this kind of this thing called composer which was like illustrator and yeah. um, where you could where you could actually lay things out on a screen i think it was running on windows 3 and um uh so we were you know so we were designing but it was very much uh, we had no design knowledge um but i was you know making a lot of structural things so i was building a lot of uh light boxes and um three-dimensional signs for all sorts of different things um and uh, and and then I started the main design stuff that I started doing was uh, we were right by um, we were in St Margaret's and we were right by uh, which is near Richmond um, in London and we were right by St Mar- Twickenham Film Studios so they used to come down a lot for um, graphics uh, to actually make in, in to films and adverts and so I got to know quite a few art directors who worked on films and we'd make all their props. Um, so uh, we worked with a couple of props makers and uh, we'd make all of the graphics that, you know, that went on it. So we made yeah. loads of films, um, stuff, did um, the Borrowers film. That was really good fun. Made giant matchboxes and all yeah. sorts of things for that. And then um, 
we did um we worked on bend it like beckham and uh yeah uh loads of adverts i did walker's crisps early adverts and so loads of stuff so you had to kind of invent on the on the trot so they would yeah. say i did um this thing called i think it was called mrs Meedlemeyer, which was about um it was a short film about hitler um escaped germany and didn't kill himself but ended up in a sort of a really run down east end tenement flat uh, as a cross dresser to hide himself and it was this lovely short film and we did all the props for that so i had to make all sorts of um uh, German army papers and posters and um, light up your alley. Yeah, it was <laughs> light up my alleman. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, so I learned a lot doing that. Um, uh, and obviously, you know, copying. That's the you know I really did learn by by copying a lot of yeah. stuff. Well, um, you know, it's the it's the best way to to learn. I find. Yeah, but that probably took me through the nineteen nineties, and then uh, and then I left. Um, and I, I was doing IT really, um, and then I started doing some. Um, I st- next door to me was a holiday company, and I knew the owner, and he said, "Could you do my ads?" So I was like, "Yeah, I'm sure I could." So I then started doing bromides and all that kind of stuff, and um, yeah, uh, and that's where I got into design. I mean, it's literally quite a, through that, quite a, quite a deep end route. Really, it isn't was it? pretty terrifying. I set I set up on my own, and I the first job I got was a. Um, a brochure for british american tobacco um and i had to do all the photography I, I think even now i'd quake at it i had to do all the photography so i had um i had to do all the copywriting and then set it up for print i'd never set anything up for litho in my life <laughs> so uh, yeah it was um it was uh, it was a trial by fire so how did that initial job land with you again uh printers uh somebody okay. knew a printer um they needed a designer um and uh and somebody said, oh, yeah, this guy's just gone freelance and he'll probably cost you absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's how I slowly got dragged into it. And then um, it wasn't really until we started Soda properly a second time um, that when we bought, got a guy called Mark Crowther on board um, who was from a proper agency and that he, you know, whipped us into shape um, painfully sometimes. But, um, you know, he really new stuff um production wise and really changed the way we worked um, so what year was that that was probably 2007 okay so, so probably six years before six or seven years before we met yeah yeah we, we ran as a little three six. yeah we ran as a three-man band for a while um and uh we did some re- we did some really really nice work actually we did um quite a lot of crispy cream um a lot of retail um and uh, yeah, we were a good little unit, but we just weren't making enough money for the people that were funding us to, um, you know, to warrant them investing in us anymore. Yeah. So we then merged with another ad agency, um, and they brought in a load of work, which was property. And then we moved into property um, stuff, which wasn't very popular, but we tried to make a lot of money on it. And that was in two thousand and eight when the property crash happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Timing. You should have oh, been a comedian at the time of this. Yeah, yeah. Ching. Um, yeah, so it's been a tough, long um, battle, but then that's business, isn't it? It is hard, and it, you know you're never going to keep clients. You're never going to, you know, those people who assume they're going to have the same clients for the next twenty years. It's not no, going to happen. Crazy, even if you do the the best work for the clients, and you know, always make them happy. All it takes is for one member of staff to to move on somewhere else and decide that they want to change things up, and they're gone. Yeah, it's inver- Yeah, you're right. It's invariably led by somebody in marketing or sales, mm. um, bringing in people that they want to bring in, and you know it's very hard to win that argument. So, I think once you've established a reputation as somebody who's um, reliable and honest and quick, and you know uh, performs to a brief and works under a, a process, then you're always going to get work. Um, it's just whether you. Um, it's it's how you deal with the filtration of that coming in. So if you just allow yourself to be steamrolled by clients' demands, then yeah, you're going to get lots of work in, but you're not going to do particularly good work. It's about how strong you fight that. Now, mm. at the moment, I'm still early days. I'm sort of two, two and a bit years into um, being solo again. So I've had to take on all the work I can, but I'm now starting to get into the position where not only am I being, um, as my work being pulling me all over the place because i can't deal with the amount i've got but i need to start actually getting um 
you know start getting a bit stronger with my clients and and start picking and choosing who i who i work with um it's nice when you can get to that point yeah, where you it, don't feel you can't say no yeah i always feel like i say no because i've got that eternal gnawing you know what's what's around the corner but yeah exactly i think sometimes you've just got to uh jump off the cliff and 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 you know go with the flow i mean you know like i say not not all you know i am not in by no means a talented you know one of the super talented designers i i i i um i get my clients because i'm there and i'm reliable um and i do a good job and i work really hard but i'm not naturally a great designer do you know what i mean i'm i'm not you know i don't eat sleep you know oh, it's interesting you say that though because when we met um sort of, sort of three or four years ago god i i was very quickly struck by what a good grasp of design you had in a very kind of grounded way you know you you could explain what what was wrong with uh, design very simply and you could kind of explain how it could be improved and for someone i thought that didn't come from a design background that was quite it was quite surprising that kind of clarity that you seem to have about what was good and what worked and what didn't. So, yeah, I find that really, I find that really, that comes really naturally. I mean, maybe I should, should have been a creative director or something like that, you know, where I wasn't actually so hands on, but I think one thing I really love and that's from childhood is I love taking things apart and I love, um, not not insects or animals, by the way. I'm not a serial. I'm not a weirdo. Um, well, I am a little bit, but you should no. see his garage. <laughs> you should see my wasp factory. Um, <laughs> no, I I, um, I I love dismantling things and then putting them back together again with slight additional <laughs> improvements. Um, I've, and I've always loved that. I love building things, making things. You know, correct because pots. <laughs> well, I was as a kid, um, uh, but. Um, yeah, I just I love I love working out how things are made and then how to make them better is is a real I think is a really good bonus for being a designer. Mm. Um, I think if you can get over obsessing about visuals and actually work out how do I make this thing that I'm working on better for the end user, then you're halfway to being a better designer. Um, there's so That's, many so many I know that don't think don't think about that and they don't put that into their work. Um, I think that's what I mean about clarity. You know, you 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 didn't get kind of uh, involved in kind of design speak, so it was very easy to work with you. And I think, given the chance, which wasn't always the case at Soda, dealing with clients, you know, they would understand what you were talking about very easily and weren't blinded by, you know, kind of design or marketing jargon. Well, that's very kind of you to say, but probably because I didn't know any of the jargon. I just, <laughs> you know, and I've got a big bullshit detector. I, I, you know, I hate bullshit, and I hate, um, I hate people lying or just, you know, uh, flowery, making things really flowery. I just, you know, if you, you know, if you need a new logo, you need a new logo. But understand what that is as the difference of we're rebranding. You know, understand yeah. it, um, and don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I deal with it every day, but um, it's just it's trying to get people to think about their businesses is is my biggest beef. You know, that's that's what I try to do is that yeah. you have to put this effort, you have to put the effort into your business for me to put the effort into making this thing for your business. Um, but that's my biggest battle. Um, well, that, that's every designer's battle, isn't it? And kind of getting a client to understand that design isn't a one way street. It's a conversation it's a, a dialogue between the client and the designer about it is. Know, achi- achieving an end product that everyone's happy with it's yeah. not just a case of the client saying i want this and the designer going away and doing it yeah it, yeah yeah you're right it's um it's definitely um yeah it's definitely a dialogue um and uh, i always say you know don't don't have cloche reveals you know don't be like the posh french waiter in a restaurant you know lifting the <laughs> you know lifting the dome and it's you think it's beef wellington but it's um you know it's a mcdonald's burger or whatever uh, underneath you know don't surprise them you know delight them but don't surprise them you know include them and make them feel like they're having fun along the way and that's you know you're yeah. halfway to that you're halfway there um unfortunately is we're so time poor these days that 
it's very hard to do that. But, um, you know, there are certain things you can do to, to avoid that kind of disappointed silence. <laughs> and I think one of them is, is by, you know, go and sit in front of your client, go and meet them. Don't send things by email and, and hide. Um, you yeah. know, I, I'm a big, big advocate of that, of going to client and, and presenting. I think it's really important. I mean, nowadays, you know, there's a lot more benefit for, you know, Skype and things like that. But I don't think you can you can really present design, you know, over over email. I just do you, do you think it's important that the designer always presents the design to the client? <clears throat> well, you're more likely to win the argument. <laughs> but, you know, account handlers have their benefits. <laughs> Well, does that sound like a politician? I was squirming, it squirming. Does does a little bit. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? You know, they're they're great um, gatekeepers. We sort of ended up talking about the process of design, but yeah, the um, they're great gatekeepers. Um, but you know, they can cause a lot of problems. Um, but sometimes, some days like today, you know, with the fifty email, I'd rather somebody else dealing with that. Yeah. But there you go. Um, I'm much happier since I left. You know, gone on my own. I'm, you know. But I don't really think about design that much. I'm working so hard um, and enjoying family life that um, I just work really hard in the day um, and I don't really think about it when I switch the computer off at the end of the day. And I know that doesn't sound very encouraging to other people, but I think sometimes you need to separate your life from... Sounds fantastic. You can't be switched on and having things turning over in your head all the time. You know, 10 o'clock at night and you're trying to relax. There's, you know, there's no point worrying about an email you sent five hours ago yeah well it's not it's not fair is it to the rest of you you know your family or whoever you're with it's um you know there's there's better there's more there's more important things to life (laughs) there are indeed um one of the other things i wanted to talk to you about um apart from how you got to where you are now is one of your little side projects which was uh frank crawshaw which i thought was a an absolutely wonderful, wonderful thing that you did. Um, you. So I wonder if you can explain a little about what it was. Well, it, yeah, it's a it's a year um, year ago today actually that he was uh, that I was over in Belgium. Um, of course. Uh, so yeah, it's a good good time to ask about it. Um, basically, um, Frank Crawshaw was my great great uncle. He was a Londoner uh, from Brixton, uh, a Cockney. Well, are you a Cockney from Brixton? But anyway, he was. If you've got he, good hearing, he was. De- <laughs> he was definitely very working class. His parents were from um, Bermondsey um, originally, and uh, he um, he joined up before the First World War broke out. So he was a regular um, soldier, and they were sent over to on the, the First World War. I'm probably telling everybody what they know, but as part of the BEF, which was the British Expeditionary Force, um, and he fought at every major. Um, uh, engagement in the early part of the First World War and was killed in February on February the eleventh, nineteen fifteen. And the reason, well, nobody knew about him in my family, but my um, my great uncle Jeff uh, found a tin in his loft. I think he was clearing out a load of stuff, and I haven't managed to confirm this because um, I've never, I haven't spoken to Jeff. Um, sadly, he's got Alzheimer's now. I think that's true. Um, but um, he, uh, anyway, I think it might have been one of the Queen Mary tins that um, was given out to the troops at Christmas 1914. Uh, okay. But I'm not sure. Um, anyway, in this were some letters, and they were from this chap called Frank uh, to um, oh, to my grandmother and um my great-grandmother and um she when he died she just put these letters in and she'd never really spoken about him ever since so nobody really knew he existed so anyway we started researching and it was my uncle who uh, whose wife is belgian when they were over there he found the grave you know went and found the grave um and that sort of started my interest i was already all already quite interested in the first world war as a period of history for me it's it's fascinating um and uh, so ever since then i met you know i started researching these letters and my jeff my great uncle jeff had transcribed them into these um printed versions so i've never actually seen the originals either which is really annoying um but i then decided well a hundred years um 
has passed and I decided to do a daily diary. So I wrote a post every day based upon his letters. He, you know, he was writing every two or three weeks. So in between that, I had to um, make stuff up um, based on research and um, stuff from the public records office. There was a lot of research, wasn't there? Yeah, it was, it was a really, really ridiculous thing for me to do, to write a post a day. And the rules were I had to write it in the day, I had to research it in the day. And um, I had a, I think she was three months old baby at the time. So, uh, yeah, it was insane. But I did it. <laughs> it's, it's a really wonderful thing. You know, when I started reading it, I think you'd already begun. And I kind of backtracked and went back to the beginning. Uh and it's it's amazing the way you've done it. It feels, you know, these days you call it live blogging, or it, but it it really feels very real, and you very quickly get an impression of what Frank was like, and you're kind of rooting for him. Yeah, I think that's the appeal, isn't it? The tragedy, you know, knowing the the knowledge that well, the knowledge that he was he was doomed, um, and I think that's what's really powerful about the about the project uh, what isn't powerful you know th- there are things about it that i would really like to improve and go back and work on um and there's so much uh food for creating stuff that you know i've i'm just you know as an educational site um or book even i think it's, it's i think it's definitely a book there yeah it's so much stuff in there isn't there um, well it was great because you you know you you looked into the the kind of uh regimental diaries and notebook i don't know what you'd what do you call them you looked into they're called board diaries yeah so you kind of even when you didn't have letters from frank you knew what his regiment was doing and where they were and what their movements were on the front and then you put the maps in i mean it was a remarkable project oh thank you yeah there was there were a few people doing them the the only thing is it wasn't um you know it's not it's a very niche thing so it wasn't well documented and um and nobody really talk to each other so there wasn't one central you know um body even even the dorsetshire um uh there's a there's a museum in dorchester called um the keep museum they weren't very helpful um i didn't find um really? even though i wrote to them a few times yeah um but some people really helped and i've had some amazing messages left from um relatives of some of the officers that i wrote about because the reason i wrote, only wrote mainly about the officers wasn't because i only like officers because actually i was re- you know the the working class man to me is was the you know was the british army but um they had no records there are no there were very little records very you know few of them wrote um hardly any of the letters have survived and if they have they they're either private or they've been destroyed whereas the officers were in you know they're in all sorts of journals um newspapers and uh, and also the family made sure you know especially if they did die that they were um you know honored in the local church or wherever so it's a lot easier to find stuff about them um and you've often got their names you know proper names because a lot of men signed up you know and changed their names because they were in trouble and and you know it's 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 easy to forget that the the army was the place where you know i don't know what i can't remember what the the direct quote from wellington but it was basically you know where all of the flotsam and jetsam of society went the scoundrels ended up. yeah i can't remember what he what did he call i didn't really realize it was still like that kind of in the edwardian era you know yeah yeah very much so um very much so it was uh the uh yeah i think it was just changing at the time at the time but um it was still pretty much old school um, yeah, and uh, which is why you know it was just t- wholly unprepared for a full industrial war, um, and we didn't learn our lessons from it because I'm just reading an uh, Anthony Beaver's book about these. Well, I think it's his one called the Second World War, so it's like a very broad, um, a broad book. But um, you know, reading about the BEF, then we made exactly the same mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, didn't learn from them, but. Um, yeah, and, and we're, we seem to be we're slow to learn as a nation. Um, well, but when we do, when we get going, we uh, we do all right. <laughs> well, uh, that is a great project. And, Thank you. Um, are we going to have um, a place for links and episode notes? Yeah. Well, I mean, because we'll have to put the link to that on there. 
Yeah, well, uh, the SoundCloud is pathetic at that. Um, it, it, you've got a com- I was thinking of maybe uh, you know um, using the comment section to put links mm. in, but that's rubbish. Um, do we go on Facebook? But then that precludes people who aren't on Facebook, and quite a lot of people aren't on Facebook. So it kind of points that maybe we have to create our own little site um, okay. and just finding time to do that. But um, yeah, we need to. I need to sort that out, don't I? Uh, I did look at putting WordPress in, but it just depresses me using WordPress. Frank is built on WordPress. Um, and about half my struggle was getting that to blooming work. <laughs> uh, see, WordPress is pretty much the only one of those tools I know anything of. All right. Well, maybe maybe we use it. It's just, it's, yeah, it's just plugin central, isn't it? You have, to get, yeah. you have to put in about 15 plugins to get it to work. But, um yeah, the the one thing in the Frank thing was the the Google Maps and the and the plugin for that was was essential because that really helped me. Um, mm. I've, I've actually I've got a really good thing for uh, for the maps. I wanted to um, I've got all of these data points, and I want to. But there's a few map um, websites or uh, apps that you can run these data through to create all sorts of different um, you know maps. Uh, based on so i could do like you know how far he'd marched where he'd gone to all the towns he'd gone to all yeah. sorts of amazing i've got so much data to play with it's just getting time to 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 visualize it if you see what i mean because it does i imagine when your i imagine when your daughter's gone away to university you'll have time then. yeah when she goes off to do her medieval english degree <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, uh, yeah now john pies yes do you have a pie? Are we at the pie pie stage are we already? At the pie st- I think we are at the pie stage. Yeah. I only say that. Well, we can always come back to talking. But um, yeah. I only say that because the pie's been looking at me for 40 minutes now. So would you want to introduce your pie then? Well, my pie is a ham hock and pea. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, from my local butchers in uh, in Hampton Hill. Right. Robson's Butchers. Yeah. Very good butchers. Uh, we'll and put this in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, it's delight ham hock pea carrot. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. It's delicious. So, uh, just excuse me one second. <laughs> it's very very good. It's quite smoky ham. Quite peppery. Mm, little bits of potato. Any jelly in there? There's no jelly. Right. But it's, it's a very moist pie. Okay. We we'll have Excellent. to put, we have to get a picture of it and post it up as well. Yeah, we'll do. Okay. Um, well, my pie is a pork is a hand. It's called a hand raised pork pie, and it's from my uh, the bakery in the village. Um, and uh, apparently, it's made in Alton, which is our nearest town. It's about four miles away. It's not very rural town. I imagine it's on in, made in some cold, dank industrial estate. Stainless steel. Now I've got I've got some immediate problems with my pie. <clears throat> it's okay. quite it's quite attractive i'll take a photo of it but it's it's not been baked long enough so um i sound like paul hollywood don't i but it's um <laughs> it's not got a soggy bottom <laughs> uh, so the, the pastry is like a short crust pastry it's not um a hot a hot pastry yeah. um and uh so i mm, very little jelly i know so sad the pork is massively under season it's quite nice. It's quite plain, like a plain sausage. Mm. But it doesn't have sage or um, any herbs in it. I quite like a bit of mace or something like that in a pork pie. I like that strong strong taste to it. Um, and the pastry is just, it's too crumbly. It's like well, it's like a short crust pastry. It doesn't have that wet layer in between the meat and the crunchy pastry. Do you know what I mean? On a good mm. pork pie. I do. Um, so it's a little bit light. I've got some. I've got some piccalilli this week. I've I've, come, I've, I've come down to your level. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I've got off my I've pedestal. Got, I've gone naked with mine. Not right. literally naked, but I'm. That is. I'm just that savoring. Is a thought that I will never get out of my head. <laughs> I always tend to eat my pies naked. <laughs> um, so are you scoring your pie out of ten? Uh, Did you we- score last week's? No, I didn't. It was it was so so low, it was so base that I think we use that as the as the zero. That's a zero. <laughs> well, I'm giving I'm giving my pie a good seven. Really? Wow! It's a, very, it's a very good pie. It's a good one out of the blocks. So that's the ham ham hock and pea pie. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give mine a four. Oh, that's still disappointing. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm drinking. Are you drinking a beer or? I'm not. I've actually just got water. Uh, I've got. Which a, is a shame because I would have liked to cheers Frank on the 
yeah. sad anniversary. Well, there's positives, you know, um, that uh, uh, that he's, you know, he's he's still thought of dearly and absolutely visited every couple of years. We'll be going back there. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've just got some cooking lager. <laughs> Cheers, John. Cheers. Yeah, so um, that's the pies out of the way. Um, I will take a photo and post it. Um, it, it, it yeah. Me too. It's a bit disappointing, but your one sounds absolutely delicious. I had one of those um, at the River Cottage Canteen in Axminster in Dorset. So you always just, you know, one-upping me. Why? I've got a ham hock pie. You had a ham hock pie at the River Cafe. No, but it was just from the deli thing. Anyway, okay. I, I like the flavour. It's really good. I, I, love, I, I would, wouldn't have thought a pea in a pie would be good, but it's nice. actually it's nice. So, yeah. Delicious. Uh, so, any other business this evening? Where are we? Um, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't looked at the. Let's uh, let me look at some notes. Um, uh, pod, right. So, things that we were going to be talking about. I've written some. I haven't put these onto Basecamp yet. But I've. Um, oh yeah, I wrote this thing. I saw this man on the tube, and I wrote this. Can I read it out? You can. Uh, there's a man on the tube with Russian prison tattoos all over his body. He's really dapper and wearing Grensons, blue chinos and a wool tie, f- flat cap. Um, he, his tattoos, though, are not fresh of the modest type. They are blue and f- worn and faded. I'm sneaking quick glances. My eyes pause on his knuckles. There's a G. That's a U. And that's an N. Gun. I look up and the man is staring at me. With the cold eyes of a killer, I get off the tube. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's why you've moved out to the Shires, is it? <laughs> to escape your past. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, another so he wasn't, he wasn't just a hipster. He was totally hipster, um, but terrifying. Like, really terrifying. Uh, he had tattoos, you know, all the way up his neck. And I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a tattoo, Uh well, I have got, got loads, haven't you? I, I'm covered in them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the G-U-N, it was a bit scary. But yeah. then wouldn't that be in Russian if he was a Russian gangster? You'd think so. What's gun in Cyrillic? Is it mummy? Was it definitely G-U-N, <laughs> not G-U-M? Because there's a big department store in Red Square called G-U-N. Maybe it was that, and he was what? Maybe, the, he I was, don't know, maybe he was a... He was like yeah. Mrs Slocum. <laughs> Maybe. Talking about pets, um, one of the we facts... We were, weren't we? Uh, yeah, I want to talk about this in the future. We won't, uh, but another thing that I've written down here is Pavlo- Pavlov's dogs, not Pavlova dogs, Pavlov's dogs were eaten at the Physiological Institute in Leningrad in World War Two. They were eaten. Now that's... I don't think that, that's not an oxymoron, isn't it? What's the word for that? That's unlucky. Know. That is, isn't it? Um... I, maybe they just um, threw themselves in the in the kitchen fire when someone rang a bell. <laughs> I don't know. It's really bizarre, isn't it? It is, isn't it? It's a little bit sad. I was trying to teach my cat um, to behave like one of Pavlov's dogs because it meows for food an awful lot. Right. I've been trying to get it to associate the word no with it not getting any food and yes with it getting food. That's going as well as you would expect. Which is to say not at all. Well, <clears throat> they're not known, are they, uh, for their, um, they're their not. trainability? No. Although my, I, I thought I'd put it to the test. How are you getting on? Failing. <laughs> well, my, my dogs, uh, one of them is, you know, you know, Bingo, he's un, untrainable because he came um, ready, yeah. ready he, ruined. He's adorable. But the other one is, um, is pretty good, actually. I mean, yeah. he's, te- he's terribly behaved, but he, he sits and stays and... Yeah, he's a good little lad. They keep you company while you're working from home. Yeah, they're just right by my feet. Um, yeah. That was one of the lovely things about working with you at Soda. Was it yourself and Glenn both used to bring your dogs into the office? Yours substantially cuter, I'd say, <laughs> uh, than the hair-shedding, smelly Labrador or Retriever. But um, but yeah, it was nice to have a, an office with pets. Yeah, so, that was good. Good days they were. Good days. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I've got some other subjects, but definitely we should return to them. But I'll just give you a quick thing. One, one is um, about Roosevelt, um, and one is a cool uh, one. Just says lobster fist pump. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which, which of those is more well, intriguing. Just, Roosevelt uh, is just so vague. Yeah, it is a bit vague, isn't it? And Phil Collins drumming. Yes. Uh, I saw him on something recently. Yeah, uh, but there's a band, a jazz band he he formed in the 70s called Brand X. Ever heard of them? No. No, neither heard I. But um, should check them out. Uh, I, I'm not saying that you should go out and buy their albums, but um, it's definitely amazing drumming. We can uh, we can review one of their albums next week. Yes. And then the other thing is, uh, is I do at some point want to talk about Fighting Fantasy because it was a thing that, you know, I haven't talked actually about my, you know, early, what really inspired me, but... Definitely, well, you haven't mentioned Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, definitely, fighting fantasy uh, books were just you know they blew blew my mind. Yeah, uh, just the same in, here. in the complexity, but just the artwork, uh, just absolutely, and I still absolutely love the artwork. And Russ yeah. Nich- Russ Nicholson is one of my favourites. Yeah, um, he's just astonishing. And there's these guys called Otherworld Miniatures, and they uh, make um, little you know. Do you remember the Citadel miniatures yeah, yeah, that you yeah. could get? They make these um, really, really early Dungeons and Dragons style uh, miniatures, um, and you should definitely check out their their Mushroom King because <laughs> <laughs> they are absolutely amazing. If you ever had the Red Box Dungeons and Dragon, I did, where you had to buy six steel spikes for some reason, and nobody <laughs> ever explained why you had these steel spikes. Yeah, I never. What did you ever use them no, for? No idea. Um, and there was this. I think the first thing that you ever come across was this green slime thing. Do you remember that? You, the, the you attack it with a metal spike. Assault. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, you should check out their miniatures. They're absolutely brilliant. But yeah, I do want to get back and talk to, them, to talk about that. Okay, um, that'd be good. Um, I'd say the fighting fantasy things came up on. Do you know the Quisha Only Connect? Yeah, I love it. It came up on that. I don't actually watch it religiously, but um, it was one of the questions on that. And the guy that got the question right could um, just rapidly quoted the synopsis for the first half a dozen books. Yeah, that was top of his head. That was mental. <laughs> yeah, I don't have quite such a, a vivid memory of them, but um, I did love them. So yeah, we'll definitely. Um, pursue that in an episode well shall i quickly whiz through a list of things so it will entice people back to listen again because these are the these are the things on our discussion ideas at the moment uh light bending einstein's cross a history of pies pen talk the ipad pro which we've done procrastination which we're doing now the u.s ghost army the perils of office music blitz stricken london dockland epileptic bipolar depressive (laughs) (laughs) my my package. Even I'm looking forward to those two. <laughs> I'd forgotten all about your package. And binary middens. Binary middens. Which is a great discussion point, isn't it? It is. Um, it, sounds, it sounds like a, a band. Yeah, and then it ends on the Warlock of Firetop Mountain. Perfect. Uh, we'll have to, obviously, given today's news, we'll have to add in uh, gravity waves. Yes. Uh, you have to explain any of them to me because i can't understand you know i barely understand the uh three pin wire on a plug let alone uh you know bending okay. time and space we'll have to do some research for uh, the next episode which we're going to try and do in a week yep we're, we're, we're going to try and make this a regular thing because uh, actually we really enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we had a, a week off last week because i was away but uh yeah i think weekly is uh is where were you by the way i was in york doing what uh, very little eating, right? Predominantly, uh, I only managed to get up to there to see my f- parents very briefly over Christmas. So it was kind of a post-Christmas trip to see the family, right? Uh, so it was York and drinks with friends out to Whitby, which uh, I always go to see if I get time when I'm up north, up to Sands End, stroll along the beach, find some fossils. So it was that kind of a. I'd really like to. I've never been to Whitby. Um, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It was quite wild. We were in the teeth of Storm. I don't know, what was it? Storm. Um, I've forgotten the name. 
of the storm. Anything like, before J, I think, at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, so it's Harold why do, Henry. Why do we have to name them? Why? I don't know. Why do we have they, to be like America? Why can't we just, you know, just call it a damn, damn, you know, windshirt blower or whatever? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> they do seem to have got worse since we've been giving them names. Yeah, and the names cool. are terrible, aren't they? They are. They're agreed, aren't they, by the, the English, the British and the Irish met. Right. Um so yeah and they don't they try not to use names that are associated with famous people apparently mm. yeah fascinating uh but yes that was the reason for um episode two taking two weeks rather than one week yeah um so yeah we'll definitely i'll get editing this and hopefully get it out tonight hopefully our feed will be fixed as well because it's still not working on itunes it doesn't so you, it doesn't it preview, works, does it? it only works if you subscribe doesn't it yeah, or if you put it into, uh, if you go on the iPhone or um, a, an, an Android phone, it will pick up the feed and play it. But yeah. um, if you try and just preview it in, within iTunes, it just hangs. Now, I yeah. think that's because I'd done something funny in SoundCloud, or whatever it's called. Um, okay. But I've now moved the feed onto FeedBurner, which is um, means that if we ever want to move it off of SoundCloud somewhere else, it just stays on that feed and just repoints somewhere else. So it's basically okay. like a redirector. Um but there's lots of things we can do on FeedBurner, but I haven't had time to look at it or read it. Um, but yeah, definitely we need to get... So we'll, next couple of weeks we'll be getting a website up. So please, uh, if you've got any nice comments, if you've got really horrible comments, send them to Rob. If you've got really nice comments, send them to me. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, that's about it really. Um, I don't know, what else? You got anything else to say? No, we've uh, we've covered my, my list of notes or right. I... Uh, Extensive list of notes, uh, and I'm looking forward to next week. Which so what are we gonna what are we gonna look at next week? Are we are we gonna pick a couple of those topics because we can't possibly get through all of those in one episode? No, but your package could could well. We take could talk up an about my package. Um, yeah, if you want a, uh, a shocking story, um, then and a I big can reveal. <laughs> Good, <laughs> yeah, and um, a big zip file. Um, <laughs> and I think we should get on to uh, t- maybe talk about. Um, uh, things that we, we use every day uh, okay. in the in the office, uh, which could get us onto all sorts of things other than design. Sounds like a plan. All right then. Um, well, thanks very much for your time, John. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your pie. And have you. a nice weekend. And thanks everyone for listening. <laughs> all right. Take care. See you. Bye. Sequence stars were no good for making carbon in this life.